Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Miss Elvira, you wrote something really, really I don't know when you wrote it, this morning or last night, I'm not sure, but it was really about aging and about, it is a blessing to be age. You know, it's a blessing to age. That means that God was faithful to let you live. But people are doing everything. It was really, really, I shared it. It was really good. And people are doing everything to like get rid of the aging. So nowadays people got Botox, they Botox, 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 toxed, toxed. Facelift. Some folks had so many facelifts, they never stopped smiling. They say, well, I'm so sorry I lost my father. Weirdo! It's the truth. It's the truth. Y'all know I'm going to say the truth, okay? It's the truth. People doing everything they can to, not age, doing, doing all kinds of stuff. You know, you know, don't, 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 don't put your treasure here on earth. Things will get old. Things, because of his durability, Jesus says that that don't put your treasures and don't put your heart and don't put your stock in the things of this earth because they don't last. For where, in Matthew 6, 19, can I have my verse back again? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be what saints Notice he didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. He says where you put your treasure, that's where your heart's going. So if you put your treasure in the stock market, your heart is going to the stock market. You got your treasure in the stock market, guess what? You're going to wake up in the morning, you ain't going to read your Bible, you're going to check the stock market. You got your job. Some folks put their treasure in their kids. Okay, I love the kids. We all love the kids, but don't put your treasure in them. You put your treasure in your finances. That's what you're going to be looking at. Wherever you put your treasure, there your heart goes. So if you put your treasure in the kingdom, your heart's going to go to the kingdom. That's so easy. That's why God says put your heart in the, put your treasure in the kingdom because he wants your heart in the kingdom. And he knows that's the way to get your heart to the kingdom is by putting your treasure there. I've often said real simple. You want to find out what somebody cares about? You want to find out what your real heart is? People, oh, this on my heart. Oh, this on my heart. I want to help these people. This on my heart. This, that, and third on my heart. You want to find out what's on your heart? Look at your bank statement. It ain't that hard. Look at your bank statement. Because I want to see what, what you're what you doing. Oh, okay, balance. 
What you doing with your money? I love the wounded warriors. I love the wounded warriors. I love those kinds of efforts. Those are important. But I have to be sure that I'm balancing and prioritizing in terms of what the scripture says to be giving to the kingdom and to be giving to the church. We'll get to that in just a second. But giving to the kingdom and then giving to all of these other things. But people do it the other way around. So they give to this, 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 and this. And then when they come to church, you have nothing to give because you're giving your priorities are out of place. I got a lot to say in a little time to say it. Okay. Let's move on to point number three. Don't spend it selfishly. Please look at verse 5 again. You lived your life on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have, oh, this is interesting. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. That literally reads in the Greek language, you have lived your life to gratify and excess your own desires. You've lived to gratify your, in other words, James is saying you are self-indulgent cows. That's what he's saying. We've indul- I'm not making it up. We've indulged ourselves and fattened ourselves for the day of slaughter. Judgment is coming against us for self in living a self-indulgent lifestyle. And let's get this off the table. Please look at me. Get this off the table. God owns everything. Somebody clap your hands and say that's right, Pastor. Everything. Everything. Hallelujah. Belongs to God. Am I right about it? Psalm 24, verse 1. You know it. The earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So let's get that off the table. Your life belongs to the Lord. Say amen. Your breath belongs to the Lord. In him we live, we move. Acts 17. In him we live, we move. We have our being. Your health belongs to the Lord. Don't you know when you got up this morning, your, the life you live right now belongs to God. It's God who woke you up. You didn't wake you up. You didn't keep you going when you were sleeping. Who kept your blood going through the veins? Who kept your brain functions and neurons? I'm trying to get scientific on y'all. <laughs> I ain't good at it, but I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dag blast it. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, God kept us alive. Say amen. And we, everything we are. Uh, yeah, come on. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I got to. Come on. Every day and everything is the Lord's. God owns the earth. And he allows all creation to live in it. God says, I own everything in the world. He not only owns the earth, he owns all the world's wealth in the earth. So when we don't give to the Lord, we don't give financially to the Lord. We are deceitfully and selfishly withholding from God what belongs to God. Now, Malachi 3, 8, 9, when I come back in three weeks, I'll be back here. And we're going to talk about Malachi 3, 8, 9, because I think this is probably one of the most misunderstood verses, probably in all the Bible, certainly in the, New Testament, in the Old Testament. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So we're going to talk about that. When I come back, we got to dedicate some time there. 
But notice, what is robbing God? Let's ask that question. What is robbing God and who is the thief? Robbing God, let me tell you, is not giving him what belongs to him. Say a better amen than that. You rob God to pay the bank for the house you can't afford. Say ouch. You rob God when you take a vacation and use the money from vacation that you should be giving to God. You get a nicer condo. A nicer resort. You're using God's money. Right. You rob God to have a more comfortable life. You rob God to have a more cushioned retirement. You rob God when you buy stuff, keeping up with the Joneses. And by the way, who are the Joneses and why do we need to keep up with them? Just saying. People keeping up with folk. Neighbor got a new car. I need to get a new car. Neighbor moved. Our neighbor moved. I'm not kidding you. That neighbor, that guy, he was in that house for just across the street, honey. He was just across the street. He, he was in that house, what, six months? Maybe a year or whatever. Whoever knows. But it was quick. And then he was packing up moving. I went over and said, hey, neighbor. I said, you moving out already? Yeah, we got a bigger house. You know what did not cross my mind? That we need a bigger house, Okay. <laughs> What crossed my mind is you got a bigger house, bigger payment. Okay. I like it just where I am. I got a nice, small little place. I like my little place. We enjoy our little place and we ain't living above our means. Which, by the way, preacher, good exhortation. Don't live above your means. Otherwise, you start having to beat the people up for money because you got to get your bills paid. That's Oh, no. I said I wasn't going to talk about all that. No, Uh -uh. I'm just trying to impress nobody. I'm trying to be who God called me to be. I'm trying to do what God has called me to do. Somebody say a better amen than that. We rob God when we fail to bring something to give to God each week in the offering. Listen, when we fail to give something each week in the offering, we rob God. What you talking about, Pastor? First Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay, where y'all at? Lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. The first day of the week, Paul is telling us, was Resurrection Sunday. That's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Somebody say amen. Paul said on Sunday, when you come to church, listen, when you come to church on Sunday, you should have an offering in your hand that has been prearranged at home. Get it together at home. Paul says that there'd be no collections when he comes. So in the early church, it is safe to understand that they really wasn't passing the plate and carrying on like that and taking up five offerings. They weren't doing that because Paul was telling them, look, if you are doing it, stop it. Get your gift together Prearrange, Paul says, that each one of you, and note this, saints, lay something aside. So each week, here it goes, we should come to church with something. Notice he didn't tell you how much. He said something each and every week. You know, the Catholic Church was good at that. 
I remember we went to Catholic school. We used to get our box. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The box of envelopes. And on the envelopes, they had, they had the date. Did they have the date? They had the Sunday date on it. And how much you supposed to give that date? So January, what is it, 5th? 5th. Everybody is to bring 20 bucks and put it in the envelope and you just come. Catholic Church budgeted based on that. So they were good at that. Paul says, you lay something aside. It's not an issue of how much. Paul says, you lay something aside. Here it is, as God has prospered you. Now, how God has prospered me this week is different than God, how God prospered you this week. God may have prospered you with $100,000 this week. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Whatever he's prospered you with, you're to give accordingly. In other words, you are not, watch this, I'm going to free you up right around here. You are not to give what you do not have. As God has prospered you, but you are to give what you do have. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, and we don't have time to explore it, but it's the woman, uh, the, the, the widow with her two mites. I think we talked about this like earlier in Mark or it's in Mark. We talked about it already. And remember, yeah, remember Jesus. Tell you real quick. He's watching folk in the temple precincts. The rich give out of their abundance and the widow, she gives two measly mites. And Jesus said the widow gave more than the rich people. What? Because she gave all she had. Some people don't give because they think that their gift is insignificant. Your gift is never insignificant. To Jesus, all giving matters, and God is the judge of how much is given and the worth of it, not you. But you're to give as God prospered you. So if you come with the widow's might, she only had that the, uh, the two pennies, less than two pennies, then you give that. Everyone in this room can give as God has prospered us. And again, saints, God does not expect us to give what we do not have. And that has been a legalism in the church. That has been a burden on so many people. And they don't feel like they have, they don't feel like they can give maybe even as they want to give. Or they've been beaten and bludgeoned into giving a certain amount like when you stand and say, God has told me that there are 10 people going to give $1,000. And people sitting there going, well, that's not me. And because you don't have a certain amount, you don't give anything. And you put people on the legalistic burdens because when they do have to give, then they do give it. And they think they're more blessed because of it. And you're not. Y'all know I'm preaching. Stay silent. You, you know it. You know it. Say Amen. So you feel like, well, I don't give anything. And then you, you don't give anything. God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. God does expect you to give as he's prospered you. True Christian giving is measured by what it costs you to give it. True giving is measured by obedience and proportion and not amount. What it costs you to give it. All right, two people, come on. Come on then. Tough crowd. It's true. 
Giving is up to you. Now, we're going to reconcile that with Malachi 3 next time we come together, all right? But giving is up to you. Everyone can give. We can't all give the same amount. I've often said this. If each person in this church, in this, all three services, if everyone in this room right now gave 20 bucks, and by the way, let me tell you something. There are many more people in this church that give way more than that. You could not run a church this size uh, with, you know, and, and not have a sizable budget. Well, you'll know in a couple of weeks, Pastor Lance will tell you, I think the budget is like $1.1 million a year. And by the way, we never take up an offering, so that's God's provision. Somebody say amen, Jehovah Jireh. So $1.1 million a year. They'll tell you in two weeks, it'll all get laid out for you. We're going to do a little presentation thingy. But if everybody in this room gave 20 bucks, just say, all the services every single week. Do you understand we would have more money, quite honestly, to do all the things that we need to do here at Calvary Chapel to be a blessing to the community? Y'all know we try to do free stuff. We, I don't like charging people to come to Fall Fest, and I don't like charging people for this, that, and the third. You know, charging people, charging people. This is the church. So I try to do stuff for free. And your tithes and your offerings, that, that's where it goes to being a blessing to the community. And, and goldfish for the children cost money. You know that goldfish? Look, we got a budget for goldfish. Look, you get your little BJ's box and it keeps you for about two months with your, with your children. But, but, but uh, we need like nine boxes a Sunday of goldfish. Them kids be eating. And by the way, and by the way, feed your kids before you bring them to church. Oh, that just came out. I didn't even. Everybody give something. Let's, let's, let's pull together and give something. Can I tell you two more things? Two more things real quick about giving. Let me tell you two more things about giving. I'm sorry. Let me tell you two more things about giving. Uh, no, I'm not. Let me give you two more. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Two more things. Here you go. When you give to God, here's something for you. Real practical. Cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. Two things. Number one, don't be cheap. Say amen. Because some folk y'all know is stingy. People with tight wads. Aren't they? Some of y'all sit next to tight wads. <laughs> Go and pour them out like this. <laughs> oh, somebody did it, actually. You know, and even when you're tithing, now, now this feels a little tight waddish to me, but okay, I'm just going to say it, all right? It feels a little tight waddish when you do your tithe. If you tithe, we'll talk about it, okay? And you do $37.43 and you give it to God. Doesn't that feel a little tightwad, kind of? You got a tightwad with God? Like, couldn't you just round up the 57 cents and make it 38 bucks? But it's like, no, it's $37.43. So don't be cheap. Somebody say amen. And here's the second thing, okay? God loves a cheerful giver. You know that. Do we do it? We all know it. God wants you to give from your heart, and God wants you to be happy when you give. True giving comes from a happy heart. Are y'all listening to me? I'm almost done. I'm going to let you go. True giving comes from a happy heart. True giving also gives you a happy heart because it's more blessed to give than to. You know that. Everyone loves a cheerful giver. How much more God? You just had Christmas, right? 
and people gave you gifts. What's well, like bought you something and they did? Here. <laughs> well, you know what? I had to buy you something because I thought if you bought me something, I'm going to feel stupid. So I bought you something. Take it. <laughs> Should I open it up? Yeah, if you want to. If not, whatever. Nobody wants, a, nobody wants a gift like that. You want somebody to give you a gift, and it's like, hey, I bought you this gift, and this is awesome, and, and you got to open, open it now. Open it now? Yeah, open it now. I got to see the look on your face. And then they open it, and then they go, and they go, what is it? <laughs> well, that's a gift. <laughs> somebody says that to you, you know they don't like it. Well, that's a gift. Thank you. But everybody likes a cheerful giver, right? How much more? Listen to me. I'm almost done. How much more God, right? God loves us to give to him, and we're happy to give to him. It's almost like, God, we gave this, and Lord, if, if it would catch me on the right week, it would be more. I want to give more. I want to do more. I want to store up more. Again, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. I want to store up more in heaven, and I want jewels to be, I want bling bling when I get into heaven. I want a crown that's full of jewels. Some of y'all will get into heaven with wires, literally wires, literally wires. Like, is that, is that a stone there? What? Oh, there it is. And you made it. Your attitude should give hilariously, right? God loves a cheerful giver. Here you go, right here. Because God is a cheerful giver. He's generous. Am I right about it? He gave his life. He gave his life. He gave us life. He gave us the world to enjoy. He gave us family and friends. He gave us a nice church. He gave us nice people to be around us and to pray for us. He gave his only begotten son. What about that gift? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God is the greatest giver. And he certainly is the most cheerful giver. And we should be as well. Calvin Coolidge said, no person ever was ever honored for what he received. He was honored for what he gave. And I'll leave you here. It is impossible to outgive God. Somebody said that. They did say it. I didn't say it, but somebody said it. It's so true. It's, it's a blessing to be a blessing. That's why God gives you stuff. And sometimes God can't worship team. Sometimes God can't give you anything because your hands are like this trying to hold on to what you got. Look, look, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at them. Look at me. Because your hands are like this. And you won't give. Give what you have. Give what you have. Nobody's asking you and God's not asking you to give what you don't have. But God says, and Paul, the word says, 1 Corinthians 16, at home, get your gift together. Like when you do your bills, just say, this is what we have, honey. Let's give this to the Lord. Put that aside. And then when you come to church, just drop it in the box inconspicuously. Just drop it in there and leave it. Do it at home. Don't do it at church. Don't sit by the, you know, there's those distractions sitting by the offering box. And I've seen it. People writing out their checks. Don't get me wrong. Thank you for your check. 
But, but, but uh, you know, when people writing out their checks and they're sitting there, you know, it's a temptation. I don't know about you, but I have to look. <laughs> don't you have to look? It's like something you have to do. It's like I have to do this. I've got to look. So they're writing out their check and I walk by and I go. Tightwad. <laughs> you kind of got to look because it's like a nature, human nature thing, right? So just don't do it. Don't do it. And Paul says, do it at home as God has prospered you. Prepare it and bring it. And let's pull together and let's be obedient. You know, we talk about obedience to the word. How about this? Let's be obedient in the areas of our finances. And I guarantee you, your heart will change. Store up treasures in heaven and your heart will go to heaven. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Am I right about it? You know I am. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.